0: On Monday, the Supreme Court refused to hear appeals from two states who want to cut off Medicaid payments to Planned Parenthood. The newest justice, Brett Kavanaugh, cast the pivotal vote, and that seemed to bother three of the other conservative justices. Joining me is Neil Kinkoff, a professor at Georgia State University College of Law. Neil, sometimes the court says as much by denying a cert petition as by granting it. Explain why.
1: Well, formally... The first thing to know is that a denial of cert is not a ruling. So it's not a ruling on the merits. It doesn't tell us one way or the other what the court thinks about what the lower courts did. And so normally that's just the end of the matter, and we don't pay a lot of attention. But in this case, I think it, it really does, as you suggest, speak volumes. This is a very rare situation where it does. And I think it's because of Clarence Thomas's remarkable dissenting opinion, in which he decided to mind read as to the motives of the six justices who voted not to hear the case. So the case Was a case that involved, it was two cases actually that involved Planned Parenthood, but they didn't involve the question of abortion. And Justice Thomas speculated that the reason the majority didn't want to hear the case is that it had to do with Planned Parenthood and they didn't want the political optics of ruling on a case involving Planned Parenthood. And on that point, I think Justice Thomas is absolutely right. It's really the only explanation that makes any sense for why the court didn't take this case. Now, we can further read tea leaves, but I think it starts to get a little precarious. So one way of reading it is to say that, well, Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Kavanaugh would like to overrule Roe v. Wade, but not yet. And the other three conservative justices are really eager to do it now. That's one way of reading it, and that's possible. But I think it may be the case that Justice Roberts and Justice Kavanaugh don't want to overrule Roe v. Wade formally, that instead what they'd rather do is overrule a lot of other cases that then give states the ability to regulate abortion out of existence without formally overruling Roe versus Wade. It's sort of a sneaky, left-handed way of overruling Roe, in effect, without ever coming out and saying it.
0: Would, in this case, have been the opportunity to make, let's say, the first crack in the wall of Roe v. Wade without specifically overruling it?
1: No. This, this case involved the very technical question of whether individuals can sue under Medicaid when a state decides to not include within coverage a particular doctor or medical provider. Um, and so the question is whether an individual patient can bring that lawsuit or whether it has to be the provider, him or her or itself that brings that lawsuit. It involves the question of whether there's a private right of action. It's the legal term of art. Deciding that question wouldn't in any way implicate Roe versus Wade. So that really was never on the table in this case. What was on the table in this case was the court talking some about Planned Parenthood and the reason states decided not to include them as covered providers, which had everything to do with that faked evidence that they were selling fetal um, fetal tissue and body parts, which is against the law. Um, and I think the court didn't want... well. I should say Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Kavanaugh didn't want to get into that political can of worms. It wouldn't have involved anything, though, about Roe versus Wade.
0: So we should say that it takes four votes to hear a case, and this case Mm -hmm. only got three votes, which are Justices Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, and Neil Gorsuch. So then you do think that it's an indication of Justice Roberts trying to steer the court away from controversy right now?
1: I think that's absolutely true. And, you know, this isn't the first time we think he's done that, right? With the Obamacare case, there's a lot of speculation that the reason he voted the way he did, that is to uphold the Affordable Care Act, is because he didn't want the optics of a five-justice conservative bare majority striking down the key um, legislative accomplishment of a Democratic president. That doesn't look good for the court, coming more or less on the heels of Bush versus Gore, right? The court starts to look like a politically conservative institution. And if that's how the public perceives the Supreme Court, well, then its legitimacy is gone. And I think Justice Roberts perceives the real sort of existential threat that the Kavanaugh confirmation poses. That is, it's apt to lead the country to see the Supreme Court as a conservative political group, not as neutral umpires calling balls and strikes in Justice Roberts' favorite metaphor.
0: And it's the Roberts Court we're talking about. So I think you're right that he didn't want to see a, see a Bush v. Gore. But let me ask you then, we've seen him recently come out and say, in contradiction to what President Trump said, say that there are no Obama judges or Trump judges or Bush judges. Was he sending a message to President Trump at that point, that he will draw the line there?
1: No, I think he was sending a message to the public that, We're neutral, right? We just apply the law. And this is of a piece with that. I think you're right to point out that quote, because this is another way that he tries to avoid the public forming a perception that there are justices who are conservative or liberal
0: in a broader sense, five of the six appeals courts that have considered the issue in the cases before the court that we're talking about sided with the clinics. So if this were not a controversial area, would this be the kind of case that the court would take or should take?
1: Normally, the court would take this kind of case because there is a split between the circuits, even though it's five on one side and only one on the other. Because the court denied the cert petition in this case, All of those rulings stand, which means that in five circuits, what the state did in um, not covering services provided by Planned Parenthood is illegal. And in the one circuit that's upheld it, then those denials are legal. And that creates incoherence. Lower court judges who hear these cases in the future really don't know what to do. And it's supposed to be the job of the Supreme Court to resolve these kinds of what are referred to as circuit splits. And so normally, the Supreme Court would take this kind of case. And Justice Thomas's dissent sort of spells all that out in a way that I think is pretty accurate.
0: Why do you think Justice Thomas decided to write such a a burning sort of dissent? Who is he addressing that to? Is he talking to the conservatives out there, the Federalist Society, or just Supreme Court watchers in general?
1: Yeah, I think he's frustrated. That the court isn't moving quickly. He's been on the court a long time now. And that role used to be played by Justice Scalia. So I think we see Justice Thomas trying to assert his own position on the court as a leader of the conservative wing. Right. And so this is him kind of opposing the direction that Roberts is trying to chart for the court and for the conservative wing. Justice Thomas is trying to push for a uh, much more immediate and radical approach.
0: Neil, are there any other cases this term that the justices decided not to hear that might have been done to avoid controversy?
1: Um, I, off the top of my head, I'm not I'm not aware of any, but there's still a lot of time for those kinds of cases to go to the court. Um, but I think you know, given its actions yesterday, should any of them get there, they're going to do everything they can to avoid to def- to avoid deciding them. I think for the next several years, they're going to do everything they can to avoid deciding any case that would lead them to cite to Roe versus Wade.
0: I I want to ask you a question about the way Justice Kavanaugh has been asking questions in the various oral arguments. But I noticed that a couple of times he has cited precedent and the importance of precedent. Is he sending a message by emphasizing precedent and that he'll follow precedent?
1: Well, I think he's trying to create that perception. But here's the thing to keep your eye on, right? It's one thing to not overrule a precedent, but it's also not that hard to distinguish a precedent and turn in a different direction. It's what Justice Roberts' mentor, um, Justice Rehnquist, generally did. It's also what um, Justice Kavanaugh's mentor, Justice Kennedy, most frequently did. Instead of forthrightly saying, we're overruling a precedent, even ones they disagreed with, like Miranda, instead of overruling it, they would create exceptions to it. And exceptions and exceptions, and the exceptions would proliferate to the point where the initial ruling was just completely hollowed out, and as a practical matter, completely ineffective. So it may be that Justice Kavanaugh will not ever vote to overrule Roe versus Wade, that it will stand as a precedent, but it'll stand as a meaningless precedent if it doesn't prevent the the states from adopting any restriction on abortion that they might want that isn't an out-and-out criminal prohibition.
0: Are there any other cases coming down the pike in the lower courts that may reach the Supreme Court on an abortion issue?
1: Oh, there, there are plenty of them percolating, and they can come up in a variety of ways. So there will be some cases out of states that deal with restrictions on who can provide abortions, right, requiring doctors to have admitting privileges, all those sorts of things, which are the kinds of restrictions that have made abortions as a practical matter unavailable in states like Mississippi.
0: Thanks so much. As always, that's Neil Kinkoff. He's a professor at Georgia State University College of Law. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's in Einstein with Salesforce.